Hi, this is Art Blog Radio. I'm Jennifer Zaro, and I'm sitting here with Vashti Dubois and Tina Plokartz of the Art Blog. And we're so pleased to be sitting in um, the Colored Girls Museum in the Germantown section of Philadelphia. Thanks for having us. I'm so glad that you came. Can you tell us generally what this space is? What is the Colored Girls Museum? So, the Colored Girls Museum is really a community, community museum which looks at um, the stories, perspectives, and the world through the lens of colored girlism. So we do that by installing art and artifacts which really tell a story which is resonant to colored girls. And not all colored girls, because I like to say, you know, um, our experiences are as varied as our skin tones. So this is by no means the definitive discussion on anything. What we hope is that it's the beginning of a conversation um, that, that we can all have about, well, what has been the history, the story, um, the contribution of the colored girl throughout the diaspora, not just um, the United States. Mm -hmm. So this is the beginning, this mm -hmm. is the very beginning. So we're in Salon One? You're in Salon One, and Salon One is in many ways, it was curated by Michael Clements, who is the museum curator. It, it has a representative sampling, probably of all of the salons, of many of the artists who are contributing to this, uh, this exhibit. So in this room you have um, you know, Michael Clemens' work, who is a ceramic artist as well as a painter. You have Barbara Bullock, who is, I don't know, she's this incredible, I just, I don't even know what to say, but world-renowned visual artist who works in heavy paper, but has like, her work has just trans changed and transformed over time. So these are her theaters that are in Salon One. We also have one of her fans in Salon One. But, you know, she, her work, you know, this is several years ago. She's doing something totally different now. And we were able to honor her at the end of Women's History Month. And it was, of course, our great honor to do so. You also have um, Denise Allen, who has a show that's moving around Philadelphia right now. She's a photographer called My Son Matters. Um, we have um, one of the new artists who's entered into the museum is uh, Devlin Briggs, ceramic artist. She also weaves and she also paints. Um, we have a tribute to the four girls who were killed in the bomb blast um, in Mississippi, which is done by Michael Clemens, and these are his vessels, um, which are a tribute to them. And then we have Lori Payne, who is a fiber artist, style maker, but clearly she's working in sculpture and a multitude of other things. So it's just like a representative sampling of what you might find. And then in this room, we also have some submissions by what we call the ordinary, extraordinary colored girl. And that is a submission, an object, an artifact that is significant to an ordinary colored girl. So, um, you know, there's a painting that was submitted by someone because she said it reminded her of waiting for her father mm -hmm. as an example of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. So Salon One is also a living space of this Victorian home yes. in Germantown. And one thing I'm struck by in this museum is that we're in an ordinary home yes. in Philadelphia, and yet 
it's been made extraordinary with the stories and the objects and the artworks absolutely that are here and so can you say a little bit about how you envisioned bringing this into your home and making it sure. um, home slash museum slash place to tell yeah. stories I mean you know uh, years ago as a as an, as an undergraduate at Westland I you know I and many other you know black students one of the ways that we made ourselves at home was by having you know creating art pieces and art spaces even if you weren't an artist but to just create a sense of home and and that's actually where I met Ian Friday and when I moved to New York City one of the things that we did was we had house salons because you couldn't, New York is very expensive, you couldn't afford to rent space to do artwork. So if you wanted to have a poetry reading or you wanted to read a play or you wanted to um, have some jazz musicians over, you wanted to have a party, really the easiest place to do it was in a home. And so I lived in a brownstone and Ian and I would work together, take over all the floors in the house and just transform them into these different stories. But it was really, you know, we were, you know, it harkened back to that feeling of being at home at Wesleyan. And it, but it also connected us back to an older history in the Harlem Renaissance. This is very much how um, artists gathered and shared their work and were in community with one another. So when I moved to Philadelphia, and we moved into this Victorian twin, I just, you know, I was struck by the fact that these, these homes couldn't possibly, you know, just be for you. Like they had to, you know, they had to be, and obviously families live together in a different kind of way than we live together now. But I really felt like, you know, this, you know, this is a space that I want to share. This is a space that has a story. Like, before anything here, you walk into a space like this and it's already talking. It's, it's age, the history it was born in. You want to know like well, who lived here and you know, what was this block before it is what it is now. But in terms of, um, so there's sort of the intersection of home and then you know, what happens when you bring art into that in a very intentional way. We all have art in our homes even if we don't recognize it. Um, but it's like when you put things together to begin to tell an intentional story in such an intimate space, what kind of impact can it have? Like what, you know, what kind of conversations um, are just under the surface of things that get activated in a space like this? And so Germantown is actually famous for historic homes. Um, I, what differentiates the Colored Girls Museum is that I live here. It is, and it is a living um, museum. It's a living museum because myself and my son live here, but it's also a living museum because the objects and artifacts are like living. They're telling, they're telling a present story and they're telling old stories. Um, and they're in conversation with each other and they're in conversation with the home itself. I think when people come here, they may not know what they're feeling, but there's this sense that you're inside of a truly three-dimensional experience. Absolutely. I mean, you just took us on a tour of the museum, and each room seems to have so many layers within it. Um, the artworks, obviously, are multiple and by many artists at once, often. Um, 
And then there's also the the space and the home itself, which seems to be talking to you, as you say, and have a story. Um, Were there any stories or revelations in doing this installation in your home that particularly stick out to you or stay with you? You know, is there one um, experience in making this museum in your home that that is... You know, I would say that the experience that's most... Uh, you know, resonant, which I keep having over and over again, Mm. is the experience of moving through it. Uh, What that feels like to go from uh, the mudroom, which was installed by Marie Martel, to go up to the upper room. Because as you say, you know, each space has its own story. It's framed in its own way. And I, I feel both present to, you know, you know, what the artist created in those spaces, but also this sense of things I don't know and can't remember because some of those artifacts, you know, belong to people who are no longer with us. Um, You know, some of those artifacts are from, you know, children, you know, so they're just, Mm -hmm. so as I move through the space from one place to the other, um, especially since so many of the you know the rooms were touched by so many different people, it feels it feels like family. It feels like you could, no matter who you are, this is the Colored Girls Museum, but you could find a space in this place that just speaks to where you are in your spirit and in your heart right now because it's so like that's what really moves me about the colored girls museum is um the multi-dimensional stories and the multiplicity of stories um and no one space in particular does that it's the collective movement of all of them that just really sort of taps into a different certainly a different part of where I am and, and, and who I am. And I, I hope I don't know um, that, that people have that experience. And I hope it activates people actually to go home and imagine home spaces like a cultural center as a place of um, contemplation, as sanctuary, uh, as, uh, as art gallery, as theater. And, but more importantly, as a place where we can gather with others. And just, I think that, that that's really what I hope is most um, impactful about this, is that it activates people to see and remember that we, can, we, you know, what this does when you actually engage with your home in this particular way, and when you invite people into it to engage with them inside of an experience that you've really thought about. I mean, this is definitely a labor of love by the the artists who installed, and certainly, you know, by myself and um, you know our collective leadership team. I think Michael, Ian, and I wanted to share some love, and like inviting people into your home is really one of the most loving things you can do. Mm, yeah. That's such a wonderful idea, you know, this sort of hospitality and openness that you're offering here. Um, 
I think we touched on this a little bit. You know, you were just talking about how everybody can make can find connection here, right. can find ways to think about their own space, their own home. Uh, they, people can even find community here, no matter yes. where you're from. Um, and yet, the, each room is sort of dedicated to a set of women of color. Yes. Um, the name of the museum is the Colored Girls Museum. Yes. And so, on the one hand, this is absolutely about um, expansive community, mm -hmm. but why is it also important to name and claim um, the girls and the colored girls and the women of color and and all those things that are held up so uh, um, wonderfully here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I said a little bit earlier, yeah. one of the things that I am struck by is the ways in which um, colored women, colored girls in particular, are invisible in so many, in so many conversations and ways. And it's bedeviling to me when cities talk about like innovation and great ideas and, you know, we want to hear from different people. Very seldom do people actively go out and seek the expertise and energy of colored girls. And yet, we are everything from we're doing everything from social work to um, to astronauting. So we and you know even when you think about these spaces like the history of Germantown itself, um, you know you people had to figure out all the technology we have now we didn't have it. So the people who cared for these homes, who built these homes, they were the first technologists, right? Because they had to figure out it was their job. They were the servants, or they were the enslaved. It was their job to figure out how to make this work. Their job to figure out how to make the country work. And women in particular, colored women in particular, colored girls in particular in domestic space were really driving that conversation. And yet this idea that we could claim home was always something that was like almost fluid. Um, because if you are coming from a history of enslavement, your ability to name and claim home is almost a radical invention. So here, my, my hope, my intention, I think, you know, all of us as a collective is what happens, what do you learn about who you are? What do you learn about our great cities? What do you learn about, um, about healing, about sanctuary, when you look at it from a perspective that we typically ignore, what do you see when you look at the world and you see it the way I see it? You see it through the lens of a colored girl. What happens when you look that way, when you're not afraid to look that way, when that doesn't feel like, oh, if I'm looking this way, it means that I don't matter, or it means that my story isn't important. Like, what's the opportunity? And, you know, I said this is a colored girls museum because I specifically wanted to speak to the girl in all of us because I feel like a lot of our energy um, and creativity is in the place where we're girls. And it's, that's also the place for all of us uh, who are women where a lot of your damage gets done, like your you know, the, 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 um, the challenges to your womanness coming forward, the challenges to your assertiveness, the challenges to your cre creativity. 
they can be supported in that place and they can be attacked in that place. And that leaves a scarring that you then have to navigate for the rest of your life. And so the Colored Girls Museum really is thinking about what, what does the girl in the woman and what does the girl herself, what does she see? You know, what has value to her? What are the art? What are, what are the artifacts that make her feel safe or scared or, um, or make her laugh at herself? Make her remember outrageous and, you know, I mean, I have a pair of Gucci glasses that were given to me by, you know, a good friend of mine. She said, you know, they were the most expensive thing I bought when I got my first job, and I promised myself I was going to do it. Should I have spent however much it cost on some Gucci glasses? Probably not, but. The, uh, I know that an artifact like that has meaning because it's like a symbol of your adulthood. It's a symbol of your audacity. Like, how dare I do this thing, but I did this thing anyway. Mm -hmm. So that's really, like, I want to have that conversation because I think we're missing a lot. I think we're missing a lot. Um, I think the colored girl herself is missing her own ability to just celebrate getting up every morning and just sitting on the porch, reading a book, braiding her hair, and you know, you know, we're not all gonna be Oprah Winfrey, but we're actually holding all of this together. And mm -hmm. I think I just wanna celebrate that and nice. There is really a sense of celebration here, for sure. I mean, in um, the way that the rooms are installed, um, sometimes quite joyfully, or sometimes um, the opposite. I mean, there are a pair of shackles in the back room. You know, there are things here that are um, not not celebratory, but important yep. to this story. You know, and I think what you just described in terms of holding up um, um, a sense of self, yes. it, you know, is really present in this museum. Yep. Um, Tina, I don't know if you have any questions or, or experiences of mm -hmm. moving through the, these spaces. Um, I found it really striking yeah. what you said about you invited artists, but then they invited in a broader community. Right. Can you talk a little bit mm -hmm. more about sure. that? Sure. Well, I mean, hopefully that's how this, this baby will go, right? Is mm -hmm. that, you know, we, you know, in our lives, right, we know who we know, and then there's like who they know, and like, and there's, there's the potential for all this growth and, and community in that way. So. My circle is limited. So we invited the first wave of artists to install. And we said to each of those artists, please invite, you know, two to five ordinary, extraordinary colored girls to submit into the space that you're going to be curating um, so that we have their stories in that space. And really your job is to raise up their stories, to curate in such a way that we can see their story, we can appreciate their story, we can hear it because again, you know, we walk around in the world and there aren't, you know, sometimes if you're not wearing like a pink, you know, tutu with some, you know, stuff coming out your head, nobody's paying you any attention. You have, so the, the part of, you know, the part of us that's artful understands that sometimes you have to put a frame around mm -hmm. things to bring, to bring people to attention to it. And, you know, that's what happened here. Like, you know, those, who knows where those, those chains were um, in someone's home, you know, but I... I'm pretty sure they weren't out so you could see them like that and think about them and, 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 and speak to that. And the fact that they're, again, they're in a home. 
they're in a home in 2016. You're looking at this. So it has a it has an impact. So yeah, having the artists and then that, you know, sort of like continuing to invite people to participate at every level of, you know, construction and building and, and moving forward, really inviting different voices and conversations. And this is just like, you know, ground zero of beginning to do that. And, you know, the Colored Girls Museum is actually engineered in such a way that our, our greatest hope and intention is that we will pop up in neighborhoods and cities around the world, that the Colored Girls Museum can go anywhere and activate the colored girls in that community to take over a space, to take over a home, to take over a classroom, and similarly tell the story, tell their stories. So this doesn't, this is the headquarters, but we recognize, again, like this is a small sampling of the stories that are out there. And we're really excited about creating a space where many of the stories can be heard. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for allowing us, inviting us into the Colored Girls Museum. It was a real pleasure. Well, I'm thank so you. glad that you came. It was a pleasure having you here. Thanks.